Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hi, friends. Welcome back to our study of 2 Thessalonians. I hope that you have been encouraged by this study. As we have studied a growing faith, Paul gives thanks for the growing faith that these believers had. And we've discovered that their growing faith was taking place even in three very different circumstances. These three topics in these three chapters are chapter one, we talked about they had a growing faith in the time of persecution or in a season of persecution. At chapter 2, we learned that they had a growing faith even in a moment of panic. And now in chapter 3, we come, and, and sorry for the alliteration here, but I wanted you to be able to remember these three circumstances. I'm going to use the word productivity, that they have a growing faith in a time of productivity. What's actually happening is that there's a group of believers, for some reason, that are refusing to work. They're being a, a distraction, actually, to, to other people, and they're somewhat disorderly when it comes to the community. When, in fact, God's people, because of our faith, are called to be productive. We're called to be servants of Christ as we live in the world and with each other. So I want you to be able to remember these three chapters and these three themes out of 2 Thessalonians by those three words, persecution, panic, and productivity. As we look at this, we, we don't exactly know why there are certain believers in Thessalonica who are idle. But perhaps it's connected to the, the false belief we saw in chapter 2, that there were wrong voices. We don't know if this is a voice of a spirit, a voice of a teacher, or a voice of a letter that claims to come from Paul. But this wrong voice taught that the, the Lord had already come, that the return of Jesus had already taken place. If that was the case, remember in chapter 1, one of the things that we hope for and anticipate when Jesus returns is we hope for rest. Like we anticipate the rest that comes from persecution and from panic and from all of the difficulties of this world, we anticipate that when he returns. Well, apparently these believers thought, well, if Jesus has come, then I guess it is the Sabbath rest that Jesus promised. So I'm not going to do anything anymore. This causes problems and Paul wants to correct that. So let's look at a fairly lengthy passage, chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 to understand what's going on. Paul says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not according with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, it was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living." Notice a couple things about this passage. It starts and ends with a reminder that Jesus is our Lord. This word has the connotation of a master. We are servants of Jesus. And, and servants, by nature, they toil, they work. And Paul says, I toiled and I worked when I was among you. Like, this is the example of faith that I established. Notice all, Paul also talks about the concept of Scripture. He says, this is what we taught. This is a part of the tradition that we hold on to. So right away, again, in chapter 3, Paul establishes the, the framework that Scripture 
is one of the ways that our faith grows. In fact, it's scripture first that we should go to when it comes to understanding how our faith is to grow. Throughout the Bible, we discovered that God created us to work, and that work is good. In the book of Genesis, if we were to flip all the way back to the beginning of creation, we discover that when God created this physical world, when he created us, he said, it is good. And that work, even before the fall, was a part of how God created us. He encoded it into our, our very core of being that we will work. Why is that? Well, because we're created in his image, and God is a God who works. The entire creation narrative is framed up around the fact that God worked for those six days, and then he rested. And this is part of that rhythm that we are to live to as we live in wisdom. We also discover in the Bible, as we turn the pages, we could go to wisdom literature. We could go to the book of Proverbs and we discover it's wise to work. Not, not only is it good to work, but it's wise to work. Proverbs talks about the fact that at times we have vineyards and we have fields and we have houses and we have property, and it's foolish to let those things deteriorate. In fact, it's foolish to be a sluggard or a sloth. There's humorous language throughout the book of Proverbs to talk about what it looks like to be idle or what it looks like to not work. One of my favorite metaphors is someone who is like a door hinged to their bed. You can kind of picture the metaphor there. All they do all day long, the only effort they have is to turn over like a door on a hinge on their bed. Proverbs says, unlike that, we were created by God to live out the wisdom of God and work. Proverbs says, look to the ant and how it works. So too, God created us to work. Jesus taught us that it is worship to work. So not only is it good, not only is it wise, but it is also worship when we work. Jesus says we're like a servant. Remember what Paul did? He started with Jesus is our Lord. He ended this paragraph with Jesus is our Lord. Jesus in his own ministry says that we are like servants and that we have been entrusted with property, We've been entrusted with gifts and talents. And when the master goes away, we are called to be faithful and work and invest those talents and abilities so that when he returns, he can see a, re a return on that effort, on that work. Jesus says, I think I, I want you to worship uh, in your work. Tim Keller says this in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says, we are not to choose jobs and conduct of our work to fulfill ourselves or merely to accrue power. We are to see work as a way of service to God and our neighbor. The question regarding our work is no longer, what will make me the most money and give me the most status? The question must now be, how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to other people, knowing what I do of God's will and of human need? So work is good, it is wise, and it is worship. Let me give you one more word. Paul teaches our work is a witness to the world around us. Even in the Old Testament, as the people of God were exiled into foreign cities and other places, Jeremiah the prophet encourages them. Uh, God sends this message to them in this foreign city to seek the welfare of the city. Paul uses that same idea that as we are journeying through this world, even though we are God's people and part of God's kingdom, our work is a witness of who God is, but also is a way of showing God's love. And so Paul does this in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. He says the same thing. He says, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands as we instructed you 
so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Notice he's talking about this work that they're to have, this living quietly and and doing this work with their hands so that they can do this before outsiders. Why? Because work is witness. Paul says this to those living in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, he says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Galatians, Paul speaks to them in chapter 6. He says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So if we buy into a wrong voice or a wrong message, at times what we will discover is that we are not living out this wisdom, we're not living out this worship or this witness that God has designed us for. That in many ways our work is a stewardship of what God has given us, but is also an expression of who God is to those around us. So here in this passage, chapter 3, verse 13, Paul repeats what he said to the Galatians. He says, as for you, don't, don't be idle. Brothers, here's what I want you to do. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't get tired of, of working in a way. Now, John Ortberg says that sometimes we do the work under our work. Sometimes we're content doing the work under our work. This is what Ecclesiastes says about toiling under the sun, that sometimes we cry out, meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. It is unless we believe with a growing faith who God is and what our work really is. You see, if work is worship, and if work is wisdom, and if work is wisdom, there is a greater work no matter what our occupation is. So we live out our our daily work before the Lord Jesus, knowing that he is the one who sees our work, knowing knowing that he is the one who designed us and created us and knows our gifts and talents and opportunities, and that our work in many ways is an expression of worship to him in response to who he is and what he's given us. Paul continues in chapter 3 and verse 14 and says, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person. Have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Don't regard him as an enemy, though. Warn him as a brother. Uh, Like my family, I I talk to my kids about what it means to be a part of our family. And and we talk about the fact that to be a part of our family is to contribute to the work that that is required to be a part of this family. Well, Paul says this, if there's a believer who has bought into this false message, that this false idea that they don't need to be productive, then warn them and, and help them understand that this is not how our family behaves. And so Paul says, move them to the side and help them understand you're not a part of this family if you don't live according to the pattern we have in Jesus and the pattern we have in Scripture. This is not how the family of God behaves. This brings up some practical questions when it comes to this study. Aren't we supposed to be compassionate and care about people? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. But the Bible also teaches us a holistic truth of how we're to care for people. The Bible teaches us to have a healthy theology, that God is a God who works, unlike the Greek gods. And I want you to put this into historical context. The Greek gods of Greek myths were gods who were lazy and idle. The world and everything existed for them. But we worship, in contrast, a God who works and a God who serves. Our worship and our work reflect what we really believe about God and ourselves. We need a healthy theology of who God is. We also need, and I don't want to use a technical word here, but a healthy anthropology. That word just means a healthy understanding of who we are as a people created by God. So it's it's an understanding of humanity. 
we've already discovered that in the Bible throughout that work is good. We are created to work, that it is wise, that it is worship, that it is witness. But we've discovered that if we're created to work, then one of the ways we can meet the needs in a person and help them to grow in their faith is by helping them understand who God and how God has created them. I love that some of our own ministry partners here at Christ Church live this out. You can go over to Watered Gardens and attend their worth shop where they are teaching those who are homeless that part of what God has created them to do is to work and, and to be able to make a living for themselves, but also to add value, not just to their lives, but to the lives of other people as well. God has created them with creativity and abilities. My own grandma spent 30 years in Colorado and her job for those that 30-year career was bringing in adults with special needs and giving them valuable work to do not just for their sake, not just to make a living or to make money, but because their work added value to the community and to the world around them. This, this value is what I want you to discover. Even in our own right here, right now uh, ministry, as those who are responsible for that, they are called to live with this discernment that, that God wants us to have to help meet needs. Yes, we wanna meet needs, but we also want to meet a full holistic need that people have. And that is to look more like Jesus and to be his disciple. And so I'm thankful for the discernment they have as they not only meet physical needs, but also meet spiritual needs and emotional needs and help them understand who they are as God's creation in the family of God. We can be both compassionate and discerning. And I know that at times we have to navigate this in our world and in our lives. I do want you to notice Paul is explicitly focusing on those who are believers in the church. And he is focusing on those who are idle in the church. Because those people who are in the church should know, because of the traditions that Paul has already called us back to, because of what Paul has said, should know that God has created us this way to work. He echoes from the Old Testament saying, if they don't work, let them not eat. And we, we know this, that when it comes to that, we hold one another accountable and we help one another know that God has created us ultimately for this purpose of worshiping him in our work. So Paul in chapter three, verse 12 says, encourage them in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. This is a part of what it looks like to live out this life of faith, this growing faith before Jesus in these three circumstances. So going back to chapter one, we remember that this entire letter, we can frame up as Paul celebrating the growing faith that they have, as their, their faith is not only hyper-growing, but their love is growing as well. And this is taking place in these three circumstances. This week we've talked about this is, this is a growing faith that is taking place in their productivity. But we've also discovered over the last three weeks that it takes place in persecution and panic as well. I would encourage you as we wrap up this series to go back through this letter, 2 Thessalonians, and evaluate your own life. I started this series by asking, are you growing? And asking, how do you measure your own growth? Well, now we've had these three chapters where we've discovered that you can have a growing faith in even difficult circumstances. And so perhaps a reflection uh, is something that would be helpful for you to reflect. Is my faith growing even if I face times of suffering or persecution? Is my, faith, is my faith growing even if I were to experience panic in the world around me? Is my faith growing in a way that helps me when it comes to understanding my own work and productivity in the world? 
I hope that this study has been an encouragement for you in helping you to discover completeness in Jesus. It has been great for me to be a part of this, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to join with you in this study. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.